Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and then NHL are in full swing and our partners have been online and got you covered. No, I am not. I'm not stupid. So take advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's yeah, again, that's betonline.ag. Welcome, Antigua, <laughs> Antigua listeners. And sign up today. Betonline.ag, sign up today. Betonline, your online sports book experts. I'm Derek Riley. I'm a Charlie Smith. And welcome to Dirty Water, a favorite corridor where life loves to stroll. Today's guest on Dirty Water is a journalist, dramatist, and surfer who lives in exile at Lennox Head, a great white infested point in northeast Australia. His keen eagle face, always crowned by a $300 Italian hat, has made him a striking personality to the public imagination, while his work under the nom de plume Long Tom brings him into close daily communion with hundreds and thousands of his fellow surfers of all ranks and conditions. Our guest, Mr. Stephen Shearer. Thank you, Derek. It's another amazing introduction. I feel totally <clears throat> humbled and embarrassed by that. <laughs> I feel like, like I'm running out of steam, running out of adjectives and metaphors and descriptions. Yeah, you never seem to fail to find a way to <clears throat> exceed your last one, so well done for that. Thank you, sir. So um, you're telling me that you've just been dissexing your baby goat. Yes, How correct. Baby goat. How old? Well, it's age, it's the age of consent, but also yeah. um, how do you de-sex a baby goat? Well, you've got to catch it and then you sort of lay it down. We called a vet in for the operation. He gave it a needle, put it to sleep, and then he just sort of lifted its back legs up, mate, and got the scalpel in there and just chopped the balls out one at a time. Why do you dissex a baby goat? What is a, what is a male goat? What, do, what terror does a male goat wreak upon the world? Well, mate, there's a lot. There's a long list. It's a laundry list. So head butts, um, just raping and pillaging anything that moves. It will sort of, it, it will have a go at anything, basically. Surfer what, if, playing surfer. What, <laughs> what if you just had a petting zoo full of unsexed, I mean, sexed male goats? We do Would have an unsexed male goat in the paddock. We thought it was a female and it turns out it's a male. What happened? Well, we got this, these two Melbourne lesbians up here coming up to look after the place and this female goat squatted back down and pissed all over this male goat's face and then it started, like, shaking its head around. She said, oh, that's a male goat. That's, that's male goat behaviour. And, yeah, sure enough, all the goats are pregnant and we've got a male goat in the paddock. Did the, uh, <laughs> did the lesbian say it contemptuously when she said male goat behaviour? No, not at all. Without, not at all. Now they're excited by the, um, the goat penis pissing on the other male? Well, I don't know about excited. It was more just a sort of acknowledgement of reality. Fuck, it's weird up there, Stephen. Yeah. And, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, you're dissexing baby goats and you've got yeah. your lesbian pals up there watching goats piss on another goat. And that kind of comes, that's a nice little seeg into um, uh, the many, many things we have to talk about today. But um, yeah. let's open up with uh, stalkers. 
So mm-hmm. as Stephanie Gilmore brought brought rightfully the cops down on a 66 year old man who um, who had a stay away order from her, and who was uh, allegedly popped um, mm. into her at the uh, Tweed Heads contest. Yeah. And of course, Steph was attacked, and her you know wrist was busted by a junkie back in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. And Mick Fanning's uh, alleged stalker, meanwhile, was back mm-hmm. before the courts ripping off her tracking device that had been attached because she'd um, allegedly been uh, been stalking yeah. Mick. So why does the detritus of humanity live on the North Coast and the Gold Coast? Oh, I think it's the climate. It's just it's just sort of cheap, cheap, easy living. So people who are sort of on the fringes can sort of find a place to sleep every night and you know it just takes away one less consideration of life so if you're just tweaked out and whacked out you can sort of forge out a little existence here it's like mexico in the states i mean have you ever thought about stalking anyone steve um that's a really good question um uh, probably you Chaz. (laughs) (laughs) please derek have you ever had a stalker um uh, yeah, I've had a couple of couple of chicks that wouldn't wouldn't rack off. Yeah. No, <laughs> not full on, not full on stalking though. Did did you feel honored by it or did you feel oh, scared? No, no, honored. <laughs> yeah. You know, and as a child, because I watched a lot of horror films when I was a child, I always thought I'd be murdered in my bed sometimes. So by the time it sort of happened in my adult years, I uh, yeah, I was quite excited by it. It's quite I was I was uh flattered that anyone would bother to uh Reading, me. reading, reading that Stephanie Gilmore story, like when I read of stalk, uh, about stalkers, typically I think, yeah, it's kind of funny. But that one, for some reason, did not sound funny. Yep. No, that was creepy as fuck, huh? Yeah, yeah. It, it really, it really had a deliverance air to it. Yeah, it's it's just, it is about they, Steph that seems to attract stalkers. Well, she's just everywhere. She's gorgeous. She's everywhere. She seems really friendly, and I think, I think friendliness and being perceived as friendly attracts creeps yeah. they think they think you're smiling at them they think you're talking to them not yeah. that it's you know the alleged alleged blah 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 creep alleged <clears throat> but um you know poor old fuck poor old steph yeah you know wrist busted by a schizophrenic junkie in the stairwell of a house and of an apartment building and uh um, yeah. and, and the latest one you know no wonder she's living in uh, malibu yeah yeah no white sharks either or not as many <laughs> only down in uh, san clemente though yeah been some uh, footage lately of um, you know the whites swimming around down there. So Steve, so um, did you watch Tweed Coast Pro? Yeah, I did. Yeah, most of it. How how did you um, bring yourself to do that? I know you had to write a story for us, but you you weren't um, put to sleep by it. Uh, yeah, look, it was a. I, th- I think I you'd, you'd have to give it a pass, just a pass mark. I mean, the surf was pretty tragic and, you know, there was a couple of questions I wanted to see answered. I wanted to see if Ethan Ewing is in fact a CT surfer or whether he's just a QS surfer. That question remains unanswered. I wanted to see Jack Robbo surf. Um, Yeah, and I just wanted to see what the Australian arm of the WSL could, could put out there as far as production goes. And what were your conclusions? I, personally, I think I should just, I, I think the Blakey brothers just, I mean, did you listen to any of that Brazilian comp this morning or watch any of oh, that? The, the LED rails and the yeah. night contest. Uh, I watched, watched a bit of it. Yeah, what do you think? 
Uh, I wasn't really familiar, I don't think, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> really, actually, I thought while I was watching it, this is perfect for Derek. Oh, fuck. Surf, the, the whole notion of surf contests, that just, that just seems so endless and, and mm. boring and, oh, fuck. And then you get reminded of how shit-house they are when, that, when the tweet goes pros on, you know? Yeah, novelty makes it worse, actually. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And the, uh, I mean, with the with the Tweety Coast and the rest mm-hmm. of them, yeah. I wonder is Tweety is Coast. professional surfing done? Who needs it anymore? It will no one. That's the problem. I mean, it, it's a, it's such an utter bore. At least long format, whatever it's called, cricket and all that. Right? There's something there. I don't see what exists in professional surfing anymore that's worth even turning it on. So, are we already in the post-professional surfing era? Is it too early to call it? I mean, when it comes back, mm. will you be excitedly on the edge of your seat tuning in? No, I'm sort of watching it in a disinterested sort of fashion, and, and you know, just sort of like the fall of the Roman Empire kind of thing. I'm, I'm looking for that angle. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it was ever the Roman Empire. I mean, that's a really <laughs> bad analogy, but the fall of the what? I mean, some percent the of the village somewhere. Hey, Maybe the like, fall of the Third Reich. <laughs> that only lasted 15 years, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I know, but there's, I mean, could, we, could you compare pro-surfing to the Third Reich in any way? I mean, I, I'd love to, but... D- Derek and I try pretty regularly, but all we ever get back to, I think, is the Stasi East Germany. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you look at the concept of Lebensraum, right, living room, then I guess maybe Herrenburg. sort of... Hey? For the Lebensraum for the Herrenvolk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, going back to the original point, I, I think Australians do pro-surfing better than, than, than Americans. Chaz? <laughs> Did I cut in? No. I think Australians do sport in general than Americans, right? Like, oh, I think only big over-the-top sports work here. You got yeah. NBA, NFL, uh <laughs> And then Major League Baseball, and that's it. No other sport. Mm. You know, UFC, I think, works as a spectacle. Um, But, you know, aside from that, I I don't think Americans are that sporting. Australians are quintessentially sporting. Yeah, I just think that, yeah, as as far as like the packaging up and and the tone of it goes, I just think Australians have still got that tiny little bit of, um, oh, what's the word? Sort of mongrel, you know, that just that tiny little bit of larrikinism. Like when I hear the two Blakey brothers commentate, that's easier on my ear than hearing like Joe Topel and some other American. You know, what I mean, it's just it just sounds better. It's more real. I mean, but the Blakeys, Blakeys are, I feel, at the top of their games. Unfortunately, yeah. the top of their games at the fall of professional surfing. They should go off and call something else. Yeah, they'll find another way. I mean, the other good thing about the fall of pro surfing is there's all these other little sort of tidbits popping up now. You know, you got the rivals thing and then that stab thing that they're doing, the live 100 and all these other little things popping up, which is great, I reckon. What did you think of rivals, Dev? Um, <laughs> I loved it at the start, but I think that the talent's not quite carrying some of the episodes. Um, you know, so some of them are a bit, bit flat, but, you know, I love I love Jed Smith's commentary. That carries it for me. So for, I, I, are, so for people who aren't aware, Rivals is an Australian-made TV series where <coughs> a group of middle-aged retired Australian surfers 
uh, <laughs> uh, challenge each other and they have a month or something to get two waves. Yeah. Their favourite spot or something. And there's Nathan Hedge and there's Sean Canstell, Mick Fanning, Joel Parkinson, Kai Otten. Who else? Dean Morrison. Oh, it's Dean Morrison as well. Oh, yep. Bede Derbidge as well. Bede Derbidge, yeah. Bede's episode is on right now, midday. I imagine that's uh, melting down the uh, servers at Channel 9, whoever's yeah. running it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a joke, isn't it? The, the whole the concept seems like a bad joke. Yeah. I know, but it's uh, sort of pulling it off. I don't know how many people are watching it. I really don't. No, no, much as free air television, huh? No, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> so, Stephen, were you um, were you watching the Tweetheads Pro and you must have been because you watched all of it when the Sharks went through the lineup? No, I was actually listening to that. I was listening to the um, broadcast through the car. I was driving while it happened. And how did the commentators react when, I, when the, everyone had to get on the skis because a, um, a great white was swimming to the lineup? Yeah, pretty pretty relaxed. But at least they were, I think they felt confident in saying the word shark. I mean, it would have been cool to have Joe Tapel on. That was the one time where I was wishing, where's Joe? They need to do a live cross to Joe right now. Because everyone's jumping on the skis and resetting, huh? Exactly. <laughs> so sharks are very much in the consciousness <laughs> of Joe was nowhere to be found. <laughs> so, Steve, sharks are very much in the consciousness of everyone in, uh, on the North Coast at the moment, the Gold Coast. Yep. So you had the foreboarder hit by a great white described as a tank yep. at Cabarita last Thursday. On the yep. same day, a broken head, another tank, 15-foot or whatever, bumped a guy, swam through the line of 50 guys. Yep. <clears throat> There's a 12-footer swimming around Talabudra River, that little... Um, strip of water that cuts Palm Beach from Burley Heads. Yeah. Three guys are chased out. You've got a 50-foot dead sperm whale bleeding at Ballina. Yeah. Someone's already hacked off the um, jaws. Yeah. White's obviously thrilled. And then, obviously, two weeks ago, Nick Slater killed at the Superbank. Mm. Wild times. Yeah, yeah. Totally wild times. So how does that affect you? You're in the thick of it. I'm not surfing those fucking out-of-bank beach breaks anymore. It's like I'm just surfing point breaks and, and good waves. So I actually haven't done much surfing since since Nick got taken, sort of mostly because the surf's been shit. I've done a few laps of the past with the kids. I've done a bit of splash and giggle here and there, but I haven't really had any proper surf since he was taken. It just feels too sharky for surf dribble in. And how do you feel um, with your kids going surfing? Mm, edgy, edgy as fuck. And so, so tell me, so um, when uh, when Nick was taken, there was footage kicking around from uh, the Swellnet cams and the Coastal Watch cams of the attack. Yeah, <clears throat> and we ran the footage, sort of stab and, and all the um, and all the tabloids, newspapers, and whatever. Yeah. Someone, someone texted to us and, um, you know, a lot of people thought it was the wrong thing to do. Nick Carroll described us, I suppose it was, as savages. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think um, images change uh, change the world, you know. Yeah. A little, you know, little migrant, migrant boy, little Alan Curdy when he's washed up on that beach. Um, you know, the South Vietnamese chick with the skin peeling off covered in nap- napalm, you know, the Biafran arm. Yeah. You know, um, there was footage of Tadashi in whatever, 2010, whatever it was. And uh, that was wiped. <clears throat> um, yeah, there's plenty of shots of sharks being, um, you know, pulled off the lines, whatever. How do you feel about it? It feels like if, if people can see what's happening, because it's ugly as fuck, 
there might be a, a stronger response to the um, the clear aggregation of great whites in your area. Yeah, I don't know actually how. If if I, I totally agree with you that the image is is more powerful than the word or anything written, and 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 those images have been defining and have changed things, but. I'm just not so sure whether, I mean, you know, Mick Fanning's about to bring his documentary out and, you know, he's been in full pitch mode for that. And that's going to take the opposite message that, you know, sharks are all cute and cuddly. Yeah, we need to protect them. And, and so there's it's just two competing narratives. It's just become part of the culture war, this incredibly polarised narrative that white sharks are just these gentle misunderstood creatures that don't want anything to do with us. And then on the other hand, you know, you've got these savage attacks and people getting legs bitten off and bleeding to death in the water. And there doesn't seem to be any <clears throat> middle ground where we can just accept the fact that this is an opportunistic apex ambush predator. It's Even if it's not, the population as a whole isn't increasing. They're just abundant in certain areas at certain times of the year. And I don't know, there doesn't seem to be any recognition of those basic facts so whether this is going to change anything whether the images are going to change anything I'm, I'm not sure but I think at least it's it's given people an idea of just how violent the the, the, the attack is I, I mean you know this was no little sort of just bite and spit this thing was just charging at him yeah. it's crazy or, or catches me off guard I suppose the amount of shark stories Beach Grid has done yeah is legendary at this point mm -hmm. uh but it'll it catches me off guard still that the when one of them really hits uh in terms of i guess going viral outside of the of typical you know beach grits typical community mm. that it's about 20 to 1 30 to 1 comments of you're an idiot these you know you're playing in their world these are gentle creatures Blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 right? Which, yep. I mean, if a if pit bulls were hitting kids, mm. I mean, I mean, maybe I guess people would say, well, the pit bulls are fine and whatever. But it, it feels like humans coal creatures, by and large, that do wrong. And I, I don't know what it is about the great white that inspires people to be, to think that, I don't know, that it's a kind, loving creature. That needs to be, I mean, of course, like I'm not about or don't want to go kill them all, but my goodness, if they're hitting people at popular surf breaks, then take them out, take them all out right there. Go yeah. fishing and catch as many as you can. Yeah. I think this is my theory that it's the great white sharks become sort of like the whale of the, of this era. And, and it's just for, for people who just look at humanity and think, oh, you know, we're just a cancer on the planet and we, you know, we're just killing them and slaughtering the, you know, the great white shark is this just kind of avenging spirit for that sort of deeply misanthropic, you know, <laughs> strain that runs through that thinking. And so they're just like, yeah, fuck yeah. This thing's taking people out. Fucking great. You know, they might not come out and say that, but I think, at the, that's what's coming out in those comments. Some people do come out and say it. You do. You will read comments in there and say, "Yeah, fucking humans are the cancer. These fucking sharks should wipe us all out." I don't know. What do you think about that, Derek? I think people are so far removed from the act of killing that they're presented with this, you know, these images of these big, beautiful, remarkable animals being hoisted up on uh, on boats, or whatever, and they're, and they're shocked. And you know, well-meaning people 
um, um, so far removed, they'll happily sit down to their roast lamb at dinner time, which is effectively eating a fucking puppy. And if they saw the images of how their little baby lamb was killed, with throat cut and pointing to Mecca or kosher being bled out or whatever, that would be uh, the never eat lamb again. But um, we're so far removed from the act of killing that great whites. And the only, I think the only question with great whites is are they endangered or are they not? If they're endangered, of course you have to protect them. No one wants to have an extinct species. But if they're not endangered, no one's crying over killing tiger sharks. No one's crying over killing anything else. Mm. It's, um, it seems absurd to lionize this animal. But I think it's the culture wars. You know, the people who... Um, um, might suggest a cull of great whites would probably do so quietly, or you know, almost like voting for Trump. Yeah, and no one admits to voting for Trump, and um, and the people who um, lionize the great white would probably identify the left wing of the spectrum. Yeah, I hate that it's been bundled up. Like all those ideas have to be taken together. Like <laughs> if you think this, then you have to take the whole package on. I know the whole right wing left wing divide is absurd. That you yeah, have it's, to it's, a certain way for disparate issues. Yeah. Which leads us into the uh, Tyler's uh, Tyler Wright's BLM protest. <laughs> yeah. Politics and sport. What do you think? I mean, I love it. I love any kind of fucking thing that makes sport, which is so dull and circular quite often, um, exciting and, and something you can comment on. Yeah, totally. I do too. I think that was easy. the most entertaining, the most noteworthy, the most newsworthy thing about the Tweety Bird Coast Pro. So, yeah, I, I loved it. <laughs> That's great. That's nice. Well, Chaz called it the Tweety Bird Coast Pro, didn't he? I don't know. Chaz? <laughs> I did. That's beautiful. But did you, Steve, were you were you moved by, by Tyler's protest? Did no, you think I wasn't. it was right, right place, right time? Um Yeah, look, I I I can't say I was moved by it, to be honest. I, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, well, you know. What next? What next? Okay, let's 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 see what happens now. I mean, what possible concrete action could follow from that? And and then you know, then I could possibly move. But I wasn't moved at the time. What about you? I mean, I just it was funny. I went in, uh, I guess, straight away into the World Surf League Instagram comments. Did did you go take a peek at those? No, only vicariously through comments on the comments. I mean, it was it was a wild bloodletting, and I know that yeah. it's probably not uh, representative necessarily of the WSL's fan, maybe. But it, and not that I don't know. It just seemed like wow, way too honest to good, <clears throat> honest to goodness. Really exacerbate your audience. It's not like the WSL has an existing audience outside, yeah. more or less white males, right? I mean, yeah. who's watching it besides white males? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right leading white males, probably, and to really doggedly go after him, yeah, uh, was either brave or decidedly idiotic. Yeah, I, I think that's a that was a timing thing. I mean, and, and possibly more so in America, where the whole sort of like there was just such a backlash to the to the you know Black Lives Matter thing when all the rooting, you know, the the, the sort of the looting and the rioting and the protesting turned ugly. Sorry. Did you say rooting? <laughs> the fuck? That's all right. Still it's thinking the- of that baby goat, that male goat. <laughs> I Don't bend over in front of a male goat. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't, I can't stop thinking about the, uh, the goat giving a golden shout to his buddy. Yeah. Oh, right in front of him. I can't believe I had to find out what a male goat was from a pair of Melbourne lesbians. I was just, <laughs> I felt so embarrassed. <laughs> 
But the, yeah, the great thing about the Tyler thing was you had the world champion of a historically white supremacist sport dropping your knee at a contest funded by a white American billionaire, part owner of a, um, a former slave plantation to protest yeah. systemic white racism and capitalism. Yeah, I know. I Just mean, glorious. For, for a league, you know, I've been to the Santa Monica office a few times and it ain't a bastion of diversity. I mean, no. I don't understand how to go so tokeny, which mm. without, I mean, come on. Like, what is the World Surf League? I guess to your point, Steve, what are they actually doing? What what concrete move was made other than, I, I think they thought we're symbolically jumping on the right side of history here without yes. much thought to, wait, who's our audience? And how, if we really do believe this, we better be backing it up. We better be honest to goodness, trying to diversify. I mean, look at the CT, besides Brazilians, and sometimes Mikey February, you got no one. No one. <laughs> Hey, Steve, what's your first thought when, um, when you hear the number 439 um, Aboriginal deaths in custody? What's the, what's the, as a journalist, what's the first thing you think? I just think, well, you know, well, that's terrible. That's, that's, that's tragic. Yeah, but do, but do you think, well, how many total deaths in custody, how many non-Indigenous deaths, and what percentage is it, and how does it compare to the population, the prison population? That's the first thought. I thought, fuck, 439 Aboriginal people killed. That's fucked. Oh, wait a sec, how many non-Indigenous people? So you look it up and it's really hard to find because the, you know, the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody found that um, you're more likely to die in, in uh, police custody if you're non-Indigenous. So 2,605 people have died in police custody in Australia since 1979 and around 500 of those have been uh, non-Indigenous. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this is what makes it such a, a, a murky, muddy pond for the WSL to just jump into because, I mean, it, it, you can only compare this. I, I don't know. You tell me if there's any other historical comparison, but the only one that I could come up with is Tom Carroll, Tom Curran and Shane Aran boycotting South Africa because of apartheid, right? Mm-hmm. That's just an open and shut case, right? There's no one going to say, hang on a minute, apartheid's pretty fucking good. We should, you know, like <laughs> no one's going to quibble over that, right? Yeah, so you had Hitler in the 40s and, and you had apartheid in the 90s. Yeah, so that's just 80s. straight down the line. That's fuck, that's evil. Let's just protest. Let's just end that shit. Yeah. But, I mean, this, these issues are just seem, seem much murkier and much more divisive and, yeah, just, just a, 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 a dangerous pond for the WSL to jump into. Hey, you know, so, so, yeah, there you go. Sorry. No, you get a chance. You're in Cabo San Lucas. I mean, I'm in Cabo Lucas. I'll just go. Uh, so to me, so arrogantly, thoughtlessly, I mean, of course, everything they do just seems for for the image, for yep. the, the signal. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're trying to shift surfing in or professional surfing in any great way. There's no, you know, more opportunity. Hey, we're going to make a, a thing for either you know Aborigin, Aboriginal Australians or inner city American youth or yeah. whatever. We're going to make pathways for them to get actually get onto the CT or yeah. to the US. It's yeah. nothing. It's no. same old, same old. It's just oh, we have an image that we can push out and look good, which is the worst part of, I mean, of that. I think uh, is the is just the pure bald faced sheer virtue signal is pretty ugly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's right. If they put out, say, oh, we're going to do a, a an African circuit in Liberia, Senegal, and Gambia, right? Oh, and then we're going to take a couple of people from them. We're going to see them into the QS and 
you know, they could do something meaningful for sure, but they don't. So, yeah, pure bald face virtue signal, totally. <laughs> so is it an empty gesture, Steve? Yeah, I, I don't want to totally write off Tyler Wright's um, authenticity because I, I – did you hear a post-win interview on the back of the ski? No, I missed everything, Stephen. Yeah, okay. So she came out and said how much the really racial injustice and inequality really meant to her. And I, I think, okay, well, she means it. So I don't want to totally write off her gesture. And then I think, well, if the WSL is just backing her because, you know, she's the maybe one of the biggest stars in the, in the game and so they had to back her, then yeah, I'm prepared to take it at face value and just see what happens. But, sorry, what was the question? I don't know. I can't remember the question was. But <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, Steve, that, that Tyler's, uh, her doing it, I don't have any issue with that. I think yeah. it seems like the WSL really hung her out to dry, though, uh, by using her as their token for this thing with, without, any, without doing anything themselves. And so she's the one, I don't know, they use that image uh, and really push that out without doing anything themselves. Nothing against Tyler, but I find it very problematic the way the World Surf League like took it on and pushed it out, and they got hammered for it, I think, mm. in the thoughtless way that they did it and won't do anything. They won't do yeah. anything. Yeah. I mean, it was just a bit unfortunate from their point of view because of the timing, because the whole, you know, the Floyd thing had sort of created this massive groundswell of support and then everything had sort of like festered and turned a bit ugly and if she'd been back a couple of months i think it would have the gesture would have been received in a different way do you think i, I mean i don't even know the people who are uh, like the backlash to blm and all that i don't get either like yeah. you're kidding me like african-americans and black people in general people of color or whatever in america have been so routinely oppressed for so long that what do you think is going to happen? Like, of course they're going to fucking start burning shit down. And to wag your finger at that and say you should be more respectful toward the masters is also ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous to me. I mean, not BLM, the rage, I understand. Uh, Tyler Wright and the WSL trying to co-opt that rage is something that I don't understand. Yeah. It's a remarkable... Um uh, bonfire of white guilt meets um, use of victimhood for political and uh, financial gain, I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> in, in your story about um, uh, the BLM thing, uh, you said a reason black kids in Australia don't surf is the cost of real estate. Yeah. Now, I, th I think that's full of shit because plenty of poor kids around the country surf and Maroubra's housing commission and the Gold Coast, fuck, no one has any money except for a few people on the beachfront. And there's plenty of poor people in the Northern Rivers where you live. <laughs> Not really. So uh, there is, mate. <laughs> and really. so, so I think it's a cultural thing. Like, you know, when we spoke to Bobby Martinez, he spoke about getting heat from his Mexican bros because he was, he was involved in a white boy pussy sport. So I think yeah. that's the reason why people of color don't surf because it's a white boy pussy sport. What do you think? Yeah, there might be something to that. But I, I, I'm still going to defend my claim because, I mean, I look at Byron Bay. There used to be a really strong Aboriginal surfing community in Byron. And then, and, and then, you know, when the Hollywood stars all came in and started 
virtue signaling about their sort of vegan lifestyles and the price of really, you need a million dollars to buy a house. They all got shunted out to casino and Mullumbimby. Well, it's just harder to go surfing when you live 50 Ks inland. And, and you know, that's been repeated all over Australia. People, I think poor people have been shunted away from the beach. But that's a recent, that's a very recent thing. You know, it's the last 10, 15 years or whatever. Yeah. And, and there wasn't, and, and it's funny because, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, black kids or whatever in Australia, it's uh, Aboriginal Australians, which would equate to Native Americans in, uh, in America, not African Americans, which is, yeah. is a comparison I think that's um, sort of avoided. So, Chaz, where are the Native, who sticks up for the Native Americans? Why are the Native Americans surfing? Because they all got tossed out to reservations in the middle of the country years and years ago. But they got the best wave wave pool in the world. Yeah, I mean, there's Native Americans out at Surf Ranch. That's a damn thing. WSL could open, should open. I mean, you got Tyler Wright putting her fist up for 439 seconds or whatever it was. 38? How many? 39, wasn't it? Probably 40 by now. Yeah. It was a fucking good effort to hold that wrist up. You see how shaky her arm got. I mean, that was a that was impressive. But yeah. imagine though, WSL with all the, these wave pools, the one there where the wetlands is going to be in Australia, they could yeah. open all that stuff up. I mean, that would be the way to do it, to your point, yeah. Derek, I suppose, is if you want a Native Americans to surf, then there you go. But who wants to, right? I mean, hmm. to, which of them you would have to honestly convince, I think somebody hey you want to go surfing it's really fun it's really hard the barrier to entry it's going to take you years to even halfway enjoy it i mean at some point i I honestly do think that what i mean surfing is a sort of masochistic thing uh where it's hard to convince somebody you're going to love this trust me because you either kind of get the weird bug or don't Mm -hmm. but i don't know that it has to do with privilege or being close to it or anything like that as much right I agree. I, I I think it's got nothing to do with um, it's just a just a pussy white sport. But but the, even the people, even the pussy white men who get into it. I mean, why do we get into it? Right? I don't know. Like I don't know why it hooked me. It was miserable. It was miserable in Oregon, and I don't know why I paddled out day after day after day into freezing cold closeouts, and why I you know obsess about it to this day. Like I don't understand what's not, I guess, wrong with me. Right. And so to try to go convince an Aboriginal kid or a Native American or an African American youth or whatever, hey, I got this thing you're going to love. Actually, it totally mostly sucks mm. 90% <laughs> of the time, but you should really pick it up and do this for the rest of your life. You'll mostly dislike it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Steve? Why did you start surfing? All right. I, I was just thinking of that while Charlie was talking and, um, You know, like I was in Queensland and we went to the Gold Coast and I was a little kid and all I remember is just this beautiful, sparkling Gold Coast day in the 70s. Like, do you remember, the? I don't know, this feeling of Gold Coast in the 70s? It was just, you know, meter maids and just like, yeah, just this feeling was amazing. And I just took my dad's esky lid and I just walked across the, walked across the road to the beach and just started, you know, riding the shore break on his esky lid and, I don't know. That just got me hooked. I don't know why. It just there. It was. Did you did you get a feeling from it, or was it the image of surfing and the, or did it make you feel wonderful? It was just this feeling, and even to this day, it's 
like a big part of the enjoyment of surfing for me is, is, is aesthetic. And, you know, when I see that sparkling blue water and I just go, yeah, I'm fucking out. You know what I mean? I look at cold gray water and I went, no, that's shit. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep surfing if I was stuck in England or Sweden or fucking great lakes. I'd be like, nah, it just, that's not for me. So yeah, there is a sort of something about the, just the beauty of it that just, sucked me in being in being in Cabo San Lucas where the water is as warm as the air it's just perfection with fun you know playful little waves and all that like it's the greatest thing on earth and down here uh when I go home to California I think oh my goodness it's chilly on the warmest days even in Southern California it's eggy and crowded like to actually go get good surf you have to go you put your game face on and go compete for something that's not that great to begin with. My seven-year-old daughter has started boogie boarding. She's got boogie fever. Yeah. And uh, I think, why am I, like, you know, seeing Josh Kerr's KSCR Kerr and yeah. Jackson Dorian and all these guys, I'm thinking, screw that. You should just stay boogieing. Boogie the rest of your life because it's yeah. about <laughs> as fun as it gets right there. <laughs> what about you, Derek? What got you into it? What got me into surfing was a movie called Puberty Blues Yeah, in the 80s. And it was a lifestyle. They come from suburban Perth. And I, you know, ride motorbikes and play footy and play cricket. <clears throat> and then I was 12 and I saw this movie and it was set in Cronulla. And yeah. they, the, the men, it was all men, had hot girlfriends. And they lived this exciting life and they just disappeared in the ocean. They had this exciting experience, fuck chicks got drunk, died of drug overdoses. It seemed um, terribly exciting to me and I wanted to have a part of that lifestyle. So I, um, similar to why I played guitar for a long time was um, just chicks mainly. Thought you I'd want a piece of it. Yeah. And then, because uh, Perth wasn't the best place to grow up being a surfer, you know, the water might have sparkled, but the waves certainly didn't um, fire. But yeah, something about it. And, you know, surfing feels, really feels like an old friend to me. Yeah. And it can do so many other things. But it feels like you jump in the ocean and your body stretches out and you feel pretty good. And even if you have to give yourself a little pep talk beforehand so you don't punch someone's fins out, it's, um, it really it does feel like an old friend. And, uh, and there is something terribly magical about um, paddling in the ocean and um, feeling currents under you and, and you know, mm. movement and stuff. And, and when I surf, I, you know, I really do like the technical aspect of it. And all I think about is uh, you know, how to turn better or how to, to do bad throwaway airs, but but there is something magical about the ocean that no other sport really has. And I know rock climbing has a certain feeling, and all these other sports have these great feelings. But surfing does seem like it has a fourth dimension. Yeah, exactly. How do you open that up to to oppressed classes? Right. I mean, that's the thing. Is that's what the whole. I mean, what do you tell them? What do you like if they don't want to go in the, the ocean? <laughs> It's like, like press classes have to ask the question and then then you can give an answer. But I don't think anyone's sort of busting down the door from oppressed classes to, to go surfing. And that's the thing, you know, the, the call for diversity, the door the door is open. Yeah. And it's just a cultural thing, I think, you know. Possibly, possibly. So on, on uh, more exciting matters, <clears throat> the coffee family. So they're, um, they've been monetizing their asses lately. Um, Ellie Jean Coffee and now her sister Holly Days have got provocative um, yeah. websites 
Ellie unlocked, Holly Days unlocked. Yeah. Uh, for for um, small stipend, ten dollars a ten dollars a month. You can um, you can you can see their buzzies and see them tickling themselves. Yeah. Have you signed up, Stephen? Uh, that's a negative, Derek. Um, no, I won't be because you told me that the cancellation policy is 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 very difficult. So once you're in, you can't get out. Yeah. Well, I, I looked up the cancellation cancellation policy because I thought maybe I'll go in there and just examine it. For, you know. And see, um, some of the um, some of the offerings are pretty, um, or very provocative, like mm. uh, zip busted, extra sexy wet peach, yeah. topless on the beach in my g-string, booty looking extra juicy, dripping yeah. wet for you, point of yeah. view, legs spread, grabbing my tits at the beach, yeah, Ooh, extra oily peach ready to be spanked, topless doggy style at the beach, gorgeous yeah. photo yet, jungle yeah. girl, where have all my clothes gone? I wonder who writes that copy. Is there a is there a gig writing copy for that? Um, I, I think the I think it's probably them. They do a very good job. Yeah. They're very good at photography and very good at copywriting. Yeah. <laughs> and Ellie Jean had some um, some good content too. Nipple exposed, completely topless, with my legs spread open. Wish you were holding my hand while I sip this wine, giving you an upskirt view with no pants. <laughs> Tell me, but they got SEO fucking dialed. It's very aspirational. It's very aspirational. I wonder. Um, it seems to me like um, you know the only you know the popularity of OnlyFans. That it's it's a genuine career path now to to make money from your um, from your beautiful physique. Yeah, and the stigma stigma is totally gone. Seems it's, that way, which is a great thing, I think. Yeah. Well, Charlie, you're a Calvinist, aren't you? What's your point of view on it? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like we're if you've if you've fallen there. At, well, how old are they? Are they like 22, 23? Yeah, Holly and Holly Day is probably 22 and Ellie Jean is 25. Yeah, so, I mean, if that's if you've hit more or less rock bottom career-wise at 25, yeah. uh, I mean, there's only down, right? There's only more porn, I reckon, at that point, which I think, you know, some women talk highly of their careers in porn, but I can't imagine that it's a very wonderful, fulfilling career. And so it just seems like you've, you've really... Yeah. <laughs> what was that, Steve? It depends if you like cock or not, wouldn't it? <laughs> depends if you like cock. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you rather, honestly, be a bartender, be a waitress, be anything? But I suppose you wouldn't. I suppose they're happy what they're doing. Well, you can so make you're saying if we were in their shoes, what would you do? Yeah, I would think that having some sort of semblance of being able to do something else, you can you can have if you're you know serving bussing tables or serving coffee whereas once you're there you pretty much you're there for the, for the rest of your life i guess it I depends what you... else brings meaning into your life and, and and if that's financing that in a satisfactory way that bartending wouldn't i mean if you've got to spend i, I don't know what's the time commitment to do a photo shoot and then write the copy with you i mean i bet it's non-stop you reckon you mean completely topless with your legs spread open yeah how long yeah. would it take for a photo shoot oh god i can probably 10 minutes? 10 minutes and then how long to write the copy? Oh, 30 seconds. Okay, so there's your like 10 minutes and 30 second time commitment per day. No. Because they're, they're, it's Instagram. It's all, it's that nonstop. I bet they're doing more than just one a day. I bet it's, I bet they're, I don't know, eight or nine hour days at the very, at the very least. Sure. <laughs> For sure. Between, I remember uh, talking to Anastasia Ashley, of course, does not, or did not partake, I don't think does partake in this 
form, but looking at her influencer life, I think she was honestly working 16 hours a day uh, just to keep the lights on more or less. Yeah, but Derek's saying that the time commitment when you go to that next level up in terms of OnlyFans is much less because you don't have to put as much content out there. But I, but I think you still have to keep to keep people funneling people into OnlyFans. You yeah. still have to keep up all the other social media things. I don't think I don't think you do. I think once oh, you, yeah. once people get once people get a whiff of you on um, OnlyFans, can forget about Instagram. Once you've got the ten dollars a month coming in, then it's just what is it daily? It's a river of it's a river of gold. I, I'm thinking mm. no way because you got to keep new people coming in, right? So you bring new people in in your existing platforms, which is for them Instagram and Facebook and whatever else they got going on. So you have to be always funneling people there, which means now you just have another job on top of your full full time job. <laughs> I think the boyfriend does all that, doesn't he, or the dad? I, I, someone said that, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who does the uh, the photos, or well, the videos. As um, as James, our, our biz guy Jazzy, uh, Jazzy uh, sent us. There's um, there's a lovely LG and coffee video. You saw that, didn't you, Chaz? I didn't see it on privateshows.net, where no. uh, Ellie's tickling herself naked. Full time. Tickling yourself. A full time gig, Stephen Chair. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, there goes that little romantic <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> so, Stephen, would you, um, if you could get a thousand dollars a day, would you? Uh, would you? Yeah. Would you? Yeah. You, I'd happily um, oil my ass up and totally, mate. Show my ass on uh, private private shows. Uh, uh, facility, or maybe rescue koalas, and then just spend the rest of the day just oiled up. It'd be perfect. It'd be perfect. <laughs> But you know now that uh, you know with the collapse of the um, the surf industry funnel for um, for sponsorships, it's probably going to be a um, a, a popular uh, route that um, uh, surfers can go down. Which is who's who's the first boy going to go down into members only? Do you think Kono Igarashi? He's beautiful. Doesn't Steve. need to. Doesn't he? Doesn't need to. It needs to be someone. Oh. A name was just going to come out of my mouth then, and I'm so glad it didn't. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd never be able to surf in this town again. Oh, so it's a, a Lennox head surfer. Can we guess? No, no, no. Please, can we guess? No. Have you has drinking suck on your beer, son? <laughs> yeah, who's going to be? Who do you think, Derek? I don't know. It's going to be someone who's pretty buff. It's going to appeal to um, uh, the gay community, I think, because I don't think women have really got their heads around. Paying for dudes jerking off yet, but other dudes are pretty happy to watch guys jerk off. I'm not sure. It'd be someone um, probably quite well hung, probably nice tan skin, built. I don't know. Can't think of anyone. Can't imagine anyone naked. <laughs> Gabriel Medina? Who do you think? Dino and Dino? I mean, I think <laughs> Dino and Dino. <laughs> you say Dino and Dino, the fucking hell. I mean, Dino and Dino has the name for it, let's be honest. He does. Cougar, he's, cougar he's gay built, porn. He's built for that industry. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> is there a male gay version of a cougar? Derek, you'd know the terminology, wouldn't you? Um, not so much a gay, but there's, you know, there's dilfs. Chaz is a dilf. Chaz was a dilf at Disneyland. I am. I'm a dilf of Disneyland. Did you see that, Steve? No. What, what happened? So um, dilfs of Disneyland, dads would like to fuck. Okay. Dilfs of Disneyland was um, all hot guy, all hot dads um, photographed at Disneyland with the kids. 
and an Instagram account, and Chaz Chaz started it because you were tattooed. I, I even made the news on it. Cool. You did? Yeah, the news the the local news did a feature on the account, and my picture was the featured news. Yeah, the one that the news used. So you're the one stepping away from appearing on OnlyFans, really? Yeah. Maybe it's Chaz. Yeah. Maybe it's Chaz is going to be the first guy to go. I mean, now that now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, thousand bucks a day. Oiled up for ten minutes a day with some sweet copy. I'll write the copy for you. Does sound good. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is you oiled up. It's hard to go surfing. You have to wear a wetsuit. Really, I would imagine it takes a long time to get that oil off. Yeah, and in particular, if you're oiling your thighs. Yeah, and you'd always have to wear a wetsuit. <laughs> have to be. Couldn't you just oil the back half of you and leave the front half unoiled? Well, the front half the uh, is an important part of the um, the show. Stephen, is it? Stephen, couldn't he just be like a back half specialist? Yeah, I think I think to be a popular um, male star in that in that realm, you really do need to show um, both sides of your um, physique. Yeah. Okay. I'll hey, so, trust your um, judgment on that. Yeah, so um, so Patagonia on stitching in the waistband of their organic stand-up shorts, um, they have the message "Vote the ass holes out." Yeah, what do you think about that? I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I, it's got enough wriggle room in there that they. I don't think they're going to get too caught by the mega crowd. I don't think the mega crowd buys Patagonia clothes. It could be a mega. It could be a mega uh, call to arms. Yeah, exactly. sure. Both ways. So that's right. Could go both ways. Asshole is undefined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, true. So, Chess, Chess, tell us you're you're, um, you're an American. Why did the Democrats give the last um, four years, the last six years, I guess? Why have the Democrats given people a reason not to vote for them? First, you had Hillary with deplorable statement. He got crazy old man Biden. I mean, Kamala. She's um, Kamala. She's great, but. Why would they put Biden giving people an, a, a very good reason not to vote for the Democrats? I truly have no idea, especially knowing, like being able to plan for it from minute one when Trump, you know, won the election via Hillary, knowing, okay, uh, we really blew it here. We thought we knew what the electorate wanted. We thought we knew what our electorate wanted. We clearly did not excite neither our base nor anyone outside our base. So let's figure out why and let's rectify. Uh, I think they really got caught up, uh, honestly, trying to deep six Bernie as opposed and progressives in the wing rather than, you know, really sorting out where the party was going. I think the Republicans, for better or worse, embraced what their party wanted, which was Trump. Uh, and the Democrats seems, seem like they're, they were fighting against it. And continue and continually, like the fact that it wasn't Bernie and it's Biden seems like another real gaffe. And it should have been Bernie last year or last election too. It seems pretty clear to me, though, as an outsider, that the electoral college math is never going to add up for a ultra progressive candidate like Bernie, though, isn't it? I mean, he's but obviously going to win all the big Democrat majorities in the in the east and west, but he's not going to get anything in the flyover states, is he? It did for Trump, though. I think he. I think Bernie appeals to. That's the thing is, I think everybody has this feeling like a centrist is what the flyovers want, yeah. and I think I think Trump laid that directly on its ear, 
where you don't really know what they want, like to, to, to think and, you know, for pundits and city folk to think they know is to me the height of arrogance, right? Where hmm. they, they somehow, for some reason, fell in love with the most, you know, I mean, childish, rich New Yorker ever. Who would have ever thought that would have happened? Yeah, like the true. fact that, that Trump appeals to the Rust Belt is patently ridiculous but yeah. that's who that's who they like and so i think i mean they should have just let they should have let the i think the dems uh yeah the dems should have should have let the reins off and just see i mean i think bernie would have won i think without fudging against hillary and i think without fudging this time bernie would have won yeah okay it's it's interesting though that I guess there's internal polling and they just they probably polled and and Bernie at least is a um, a candidate of integrity but they must have polled and just said fuck we're going to get slaughtered if we have um, Bernie we better go with the safe the safe option huh yeah but what are they looking at I mean again Trump laid polling bear I mean the fact that polling works anymore I think is again patently ridiculous I think they have no fucking idea. But maybe I mean, they looked at maybe they looked at the British election with Jeremy Corbyn, who is a lunatic, but he has and Bernie, I don't think is a lunatic, but they do have similarities. And the most Labour Party just gets smashed in the UK. Sure, but again, like well, to me, the Trump Trump destroyed any any sort of sense, and to pretend that there is sense after Trump is to be just ridiculous. I mean, they should have just they should have really really. Again, let it out and and saw what they had. Even if they were going to lose, they could at least know what the party is because I don't think they still know. It's certainly not Biden. No, and, and, it, and it's interesting because Kamala Harris, uh, you know, the debates, whatever, and um, pretty much described um, Biden as a rapist. Yeah. So she's going to have. He's, a, got, he's got wandering hands, hasn't he? <laughs> apparently, apparently, no problem with his with his hands. He likes. Um, that's getting close. Chaz, do you think that Trump can do a Nixon, you know, run a run a law and order campaign like Nixon did in 68? No, because to me it's I, I and I don't know how the Dems are letting him get away with claiming he's the one who can fix all this when this was all on his watch, right? I mean, mm. Nixon came in on law mm. and order. Yeah. Uh this is Trump has been president for four years, and if everything's falling apart. Hmm. And weren't you the president for four years? So I don't. I honestly don't understand how the Dems. It just seems like silly messaging from them saying hmm. not to hold him accountable. To at least saying, wait, if you're gonna if you're gonna play this line that you're the one who's gonna be firm on this, why haven't you been firm? The country is burning down under your watch. Did you hear Trump's inauguration speech last in four years ago? Yeah, the the the, the American carnage speech. The the recent one. Yeah, his 2016 inauguration speech. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was inaugurated. Yes, I heard. Yeah. I mean, that was almost a prophecy, wasn't it? I mean, he pledged to end it, but it's almost a prophecy of what was to happen. Precisely. And I, I don't understand how the how the Democrats can't say, wait a second. Yeah, again, Nixon coming in in 68, you know, is a lot different than Trump in after four years. Yeah. Hmm. This one I was looking at the speech now. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. This United States is your country. What truly matters is not which party controls our government, but whether our government is controlled by the people. 
January the 20th, 2017 will be remembered as the day the people became the rulers of this nation again. We came by the tens of millions to become part of a historic movement the likes of which the world has never seen. At the centre of this movement is a crucial conviction that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Americans want great schools for their children, safe neighbourhoods for their families and good jobs for themselves. These are the just and right, reasonable demands of a righteous public. This American carnage stops right here and right now. Yeah. We are one nation. There's uh, Trump, fucking hell. Trump should, you know, obviously should be out in his ear. But um, it's going to be interesting, Chaz, in November. Sure will be, especially mm-hmm. to all you see Ruth Bader died today. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ruth Bader died? No way. Yep. She's our, um, she was our uh, mascot. Yeah, she, she was our mascot. Holy fuck. Yep. So it's going to be a crazy two months even of, yeah, a lot of, yeah, fighting as as far as the Supreme Court goes. Which will they appoint? And you can can he appoint a new Supreme Court judge before the election? I think theoretically he has the numbers, but yeah. I don't see uh, I don't see Republicans being lockstep. I think enough centrist Republicans will have a queasy stomach, especially after you know when Obama was. I think Obama still had a year in office, and yeah. the Republicans refused to let him appoint somebody. Yeah. And so I think the hypocrisy may be a bit too much for center-leaning Republicans to stomach. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what else we got, boys? Anything else thrilling you to pieces about the surf world? No, but it was interesting. Just when you were talking about what, what drew you into surfing this lifestyle, I, I do have to make a slight admission on this sort of whole white shark thing. It, it does add this element of, danger to surfing which i have to admit on one level i do find quite thrilling do yeah <laughs> but is, is your uh, your zoom uh, connection then just fully locked up it, it was, was like it was like a great white just swooped on you my <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker boom be excited by great whites are you mate i don't know if i can remind you of that when your legs bitten off yeah, no, I know it's not. Uh, it's so hard to admit that you sort of got complicated feelings about something now, isn't it? In this modern era, you you're have to be what you have to be one way or the other. You're not allowed. No, you can't you say, like "Well, yeah, look, I mean, you know, I'm sort of fascinated and repelled and and, and thrilled by great whites, but I also wouldn't mind seeing them fish down a little bit." You like rough sex too, don't you? <laughs> That's for the next intro. I tell you what, I do like though. I I, I like. Oh, Steve Shearer! Thank you so much. Shearer bought hardcover from America. Reported imported directly from America. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Hard copy. How much did it cost you, Steve? Fifty-four dollars. Fifty-four million dollars. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Have you read it? I'm. I'm 62 pages in. <laughs> Are you excited? I'm having so much fun with it. Oh, the, the, the forward with uh, Petraeus was just fucking hilarious. I mean, it was worth it for that alone. Oh, thanks, Steve. Put it I'm going to do a review. Can you remind our, um, our <laughs> probably diminishing audience, um, your, your experience with General, General Petraeus, who he was, and um, how you came to be in contact with him? 
Uh, yeah, General Petraeus was the head of the CIA for a minute, and before that, he was, I think, head of CENTCOM or whatever, had some big role in the Middle East, in Iraq and all that, uh, and then head of the CIA and came undone when he had an affair with his biographer. Uh, uh, I think Broadstone something was her name. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyhow, he I was, for some unknown reason, invited to interview him at a fabulous uh, financial conference uh, where I was supposed to be the wild card. So interview him on stage. He was supposed to give insight into the Middle East, I think. But uh, yeah, I just sat on stage the entire time thinking, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. He was so in the pocket of Saudi Arabia. Mm. It was patently obvious and it was absurd. What he was saying about Saudi Arabia was honestly absurd. What was he saying about Saudi Arabia? I mean, it was just like, they are a great ally and they are the, they are the future of the Middle East and blah, 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 where mm. anybody with half an eyeball can see it's just a decadent, corrupt, awful thing that is only propped up by the U.S. And if the U.S. wasn't, you know, if they weren't spending billions of dollars on U.S. war machines, uh, that, I mean, yeah, they, they would be rolled over. I mean, the Houthis in Yemen give them a run for their money. And the Houthis have like two cents and half a machine gun. They're pretty much just spitting at the Saudi planes, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the Saudis are the absolute worst. They are the honest to goodness worst. And yeah, so sitting on stage, hearing him talk it up, I just got to sit there and roll my eyes and cough and make lewd gestures. <laughs> it was a very funny scene. It was, it was extremely, I, I wasn't expecting that actually. I was just like, oh my God, this is fucking so good. <laughs> Thanks. Who was who was the other guy that got into into trouble in the Middle East? The other general who, you know, there was the Rolling Stone article and he was bad mouthing yeah, Obama. Uh, muck, uh, muck, it was a muck. Crystal, Stanley, was it Crystal? Yeah. So my my friend uh, was actually McChrystal's press guy. Yeah. And so got, or I think he fell on his sword after the Rolling Stone thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he has a great story. He was, yeah, he was the one who got, who set up the Rolling Stone interview and everything. <laughs> wow. And what, what is, uh, so what did, um, what did, what did Stanley do wrong that got him all sacked and shit? He was he bad-mouthing was... Obama, wasn't he? He was, he bad-mouthed Obama. In, just just as a general rule. Obama. Yeah, it was, I think it was about Obama's. I mean, it was all correct. It was about Obama's Middle Eastern strategy. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, real, it was really gentle, but it was, in that day and age, was, yeah. I mean, it yeah. was cancelable. Mm. Glory days, huh? Yeah. Is there journalism Obama, immune to cancel culture? It totally is. Mm. Chaz, do you miss Obama? I miss Obama. I mean, I missed, uh, no, I don't miss his, yeah, he really did have bad Middle Eastern policy, which is something near and dear to my heart. So how do you feel about, how do you feel about Trump's, um, success in the Middle East, Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, normalizing, um, relations with Israel? It's gotten very, uh, short shrift in the mainstream press, but it's a big developments. Sure. I mean, major developments. I don't know how I feel about each and every one, uh, but yeah, I mean, he he did he's done more than most, for sure. Than most, definitely, mo done more than most U.S. presidents. Again, though, I don't I don't know if I like it all. Not that my opinion matters. <laughs> what what gives you pause? 
I mean, I think just moving moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem is silly. Uh, was because silly. It's provocative. I mean, it's just pointlessly provocative. Like, who cares? Uh, Tel Aviv, you know, Derek is a beautiful city. Tel Aviv is such a sexier city than Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a fucking ghetto. Yeah, and so, and and so this token move for part of your base, uh, that's just unnecessarily provocative to me was just bad form. It must be hard to be right wing in America because traditionally right wingers have hated Jews. Yeah. Then to suddenly have that bundled into your little uh, grab bag of opinions. Oh, we, we, we like Jews now. I mean, that's the thing is like, but I think it, I think it tears them apart too. Right. Because I think it's only the evangelical Christians who, who are really pro Israel, but then to be pro Israel, you know, you can be <laughs> pro apartheid too. Right. I mean, you could, I think, I think the Israel thing as colonizers, white colonizers in a brown land, et cetera, et cetera, appeals to, has multiple, multiple appealing points for the far right. Isn't, um, don't, don't Jewish people classified as non-white now? I mean, I think that uh, the Ashkenaz, the Ashkenaz are all stinking Euro. Hmm. Yeah, but the uh, Sephardi are all um, you know North African and exactly. Uh, but I think what what is Israel? I think that Israel is majority Ashkenazi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's my understanding. Beautiful place. Gotta love. Yeah, it I didn't understand that either. You know, when the footage came out of the of the Charlottesville rally, the Unite the Right. I thought the the um, focus of the hatred would be, you know, Muslims or something, but it was all Jews will not replace us. Yeah, I thought aren't the Jews the, on your side? I thought, what happened there? <laughs> really? They didn't, they didn't get a um, they didn't get a briefing. Listen, listen, guys, we've changed our stance. On the <laughs> okay, we're our friend. I know we gasped. We don't know we killed six million of them, but uh, we, uh, it's a roundabout sort of thing. But it's funny because um, we thought we were making cuckoo clocks. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know there were gas chambers. <laughs> yeah, what's that sound? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Eric, I just I just asked Chaz if surfing journalism was immune from cancel culture, and he said yes. But totally. I think you heard. What do you think? There's no one to cancel us. That's the Because <laughs> surfing is such an ultra niche sport. It's like I honestly think you you could say for years you could go on a provocative screed for three years mm. saying anything bad and people would vaguely maybe say, well, that wasn't a very nice thing to say. And that would be as bad as it got. Yeah. Because the, the WSL is operating as if they like in, in full thrall to cancel culture, are they? Yeah. But nobody cares. Yeah. Not one person cares. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, Steve, Hallelujah. So Steve, let's go out. I want, I want to hear your opinion. We think uh, pro surfing in the WSL is going to be in 18 months time. So it's start of 2022, where is surfing, where is pro surfing, where is the WSL? Um, <clears throat> Half strength tour, bunch of sort of regional regional tours operating in their own sort of orbits with a no unified world champion. So it's like boxing? Yeah. And what about... Um, and, and, and a sort of professional... UFC style sort of man on man or, or, or small group style um, tournaments, which makes sense. Huh? you have 
you see a surfer go, this guy is obviously good enough to challenge John John at Pipe. Yeah. yeah. Let's have a um, let's have a card. Yeah. Two hours, John John, or, or you know, you could do it, you could easily do it in Indonesia. Obviously, you could just there's enough high quality surf. We could just rock up and say, okay, you're on a you're on a waiting list. You're going to see um, John John versus Dane at uh, you know six foot uh, rifles. Okay, and here's the day. You got 46, 36 hours notice, and you plug in your nine dollars and you sit there and watch it for a couple of hours. And Stephen, tell me, Great Whites, five years time, North Coast is going to be. Um, I know, I know, you find it sexy and all that sort of shit. But um, if there's no nets, there's no um, selective culling or whatever. What do you think the situation is going to be like in five years time? Do you think it'll be like WA, where it seems to have backed off a bit? Or do you think it'll be? I don't know. I, I just try to. I mean, the, the numbers are only going up here, whereas they did seem to. It, everything stabilized and quietened off in WA, didn't it? So, except for except for there was the one at the farm a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. So maybe it's just got, and you know, it's still going on in Esperance, I suppose, wasn't there? 2017, 2018. So, yeah, just more and more attacks, mate. More and more encounters. What do you think about the trope that gets um, thrown around quite a bit is um, great whites are apex predators, which they're not because orcas will happily eat their livers yeah. and you can't remove them from the food chain, which no one's suggesting anyway. <clears throat> but I was thinking about it. If you took them out, what would it mean? It just mean, just mean uh, more baby humpbacks, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a sort of um, the trophic cascade theory where if you take out or thin out the apex predator, then you're going to get um, – uh, repercussions down the line in the ecosystem. But I've, I've never really seen that argument fleshed out to say, well, actually, what would that mean if instead of 50 great whites, there was 10 or I've never really seen, well, we're going to have more dolphins and more humpbacks, right? Which is the most beautiful thing in the world. Everyone loves yeah. a humpback and a dolphin. So we're moving from a ecosystem, a surfing ecosystem, dolphins and whales to one you know, we'll say dolphins are that inshore apex predator, you know, absent orcas, to one dominated by great whites. I'm like, oh, I don't know which one I prefer. And can you imagine living on the north coast in Byron Bay on the Gold Coast and you're sitting there and there's this fucking baby humpback swimming around, dolphins, happy flippers, making that nice noise, dancing on their fins and shit? Mm. What a beautiful world that would be. Absolutely. Imagine how many more surfers, though. Well, that's true. <laughs> they can't be anymore. I don't think people are being discouraged from surfing. I think they have. You, you really think so? Well, just super recently, or do you think- yeah, it goes in waves. It, de- it definitely goes in waves. But yeah, there's there's definitely repercussions and crowd numbers after an attack, for sure. But then it all gradually swells out again into the next attack. Huh? Starts to swell out, but you know you get safety in numbers too. You get clumping crowding you know you can go surf these beach breaks here all along here you can go sit out there all by yourself if you want and we'll do for the next couple of years and would you like to sit out there by yourself Steve? i don't no way if you were the um state premier of uh, new south wales <clears throat> what would uh, what would your action be well I, I mean i've i'm on the record as saying i think the smart drum lines are the best compromise we got we, we put a 20 hook in them they get thrashing around for a while they get some discomfort and they get tagged and dragged out to sea and you know dumped they just get roughed up 
so they're they're more cautious. They're more they're not so inquisitive around people. I'd vote for you, Steve. Yeah, I, I think too. that's the best compromise position we've got right now. But if you've got a better one, I'd love to hear it. No, like I said, I'd, I'd vote for you. I think it's a, a lovely suggestion. Jazz, you vote Jazz? for uh, Steve. I'm voting for Steve. Vote one, Steve cool. Shearer. You, you can write any, my copy. Anything, any You're my new we'll do a we'll do a uh, quid pro quo. I'll write your copy for your your gay fans only site, and you can write my political copy. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Jazz. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, boys. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and April 1st, 2024. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.